is part of our worship. So now, my topic today is not, it's, I'm not, it's worship. I'm going to be sharing about worship. And the reason why I'm sharing about worship is, I believe, you know, as a, as a church, we always, worship is something that we will always do. And it's something that we can even grow in. You know, as a morning service for those that are primarily, those that are primarily people that often come to the service, you know, we've got to think, okay, well, how can we grow? I'm going to share this as someone that leads worship so that we can actually see what are the things that God has put in place in scriptures that we can apply through our own life, but also on a corporate setting as we worship. Because there is a lot of things that God did in the past through scriptures via worship. And in fact, everything started with worship. Most of the things, you will see the Israelites as they were about to get into the promised land. One of the things that God ensured they had to get in mind is that whenever they will get there, they had to destroy the high places. They had to destroy the idols of the people that were occupying the land. If you read in Exodus, in Numbers, in most of the places, you will see there is this concept of high places. High places were places where there were idols, uh, where people would go and worship. It was specific places where people would go and worship God. If you read in John 4, 23, when Jesus is having the conversation with the Samaritan woman, you know, he brought this issue of the place of worship. You know, your father is worshipped on, on the mountain. We worshipped here. And you will see there was a place, the implication of place. And you will see as well that there is, even in, in Genesis, when God called Abram, and at some point in, Gen- in Genesis 22, you actually see God instructing, for example, uh, Abram to go and, work, uh, and offer his son on Mount Moriah. In Deuteronomy 14, verse 23, when God is speaking even about tithing, you will see that God gave the instruction even about the place where they had to go and even have a meal around all of that. You will see there was always uh, a reference of a specific place. And Jesus, responding to the Samaritan woman, he said that the time has come. Where the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But the one thing you will notice about the Old Testament when people had to go worship or build an altar, you always see God revealed himself first to them, like in Genesis 12. He revealed himself to Abraham. Many times he will reveal himself and somebody will build an altar. You'll see, for example, in Bethel, God appeared to him and then he built an altar, which was a place where he would offer sacrifice, where he would worship God. So the place of worship was always revealed. And why do I say that? We cannot disconnect worship from the Holy Spirit. Because worship only happens when revelation takes place. Because you will always worship on the level of revelation that you have. So if somebody perceives God, the only revelation you have of God is a judge that will affect the way you worship. You get churches where all the songs, it's about my sin, 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 my sins. Because their only revelation they have of God is the judge. You know, and then you have also those who, the only revelation they have of God is grace, 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 grace. Then 
<laughs> then it, it becomes grace, grace, grace. Then you have those who see God only, only as a healer. Then it's all about God heal me, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken, I'm broken. Others, it's more, God is more for like a fire, manifestations. It's always fire, 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 fire. But I believe in the scriptures, there is huge amounts of pictures that reveals the heart of the Father. And for those that sees God as a Father, it affects also the way they worship God. So therefore, Jesus said in, in, in first, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians that it is only by the Spirit of God that one can say that Jesus Christ is Lord. So, because you can only worship the God you know. And how do we know God? We, only know, we can only know God by Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says that it is through the spirit of a man that you know the things of man. And it is by the spirit of God that you can know the things of God. Because the, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So, it is only through the Holy Spirit that we can truly worship. The moment we stop le- being led by the spirit, we will never worship in spirit and in truth. We will never worship accordingly. It is the Spirit of God that causes a man to live in the fear of the Lord. The Bible says actually about the Spirit, that is the Spirit of might, the Spirit of power, is the Spirit uh, of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord. So the entire life of Christianity is really bound in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will never leave you as often, but I will send you the Comforter. You know why? Because without the Holy Spirit, we are really orphans. Because He is the one who reveals the Father. Who is, he is the one who reveals actually Christ. So, my title is being anointed to worship. Now, when you think of the anointing, the anointing was always used for a purpose. For example, you'll see kings were anointed, prophets were anointed, priests were anointed. And you will see that actually, for example, someone like David, when he was anointed, uh, the Bible said, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And Saul, when, before he became king, he was anointed, and the prophet said to him, go and we'll meet some psalmist, and when you meet them, you'll start prophesying with them. And then suddenly, the Spirit of the Lord as well came upon him. So there was always uh, something that happened when somebody was anointed. What, what I like about the new covenant is that when the Spirit of Christ comes upon us, it doesn't just come to stay or to remain for nothing. He anoints us. In fact, Christ is the anointed one. And we are also anointed in him because we are in him. That's why we are called Christians. We are also anointed by the Spirit of God. So the anointing in the, in the Old Testament, you know, it was literally the oil and suddenly the Spirit of God will come upon him. But what I'm sharing this morning is about the reason why God has anointed one of the purposes of receiving the anointing and how does it apply in the context of worship? Because once we understand that, we will actually learn what it means to worship with authority. And that makes a massive difference. And one of the examples that I'm going to use is the story of David. David, at some point, um, they were, the, the king Saul was tormented by evil spirit. 
you know, he, it, was, it, was, it was really difficult for him. And they had to get somebody that was able to play the harp. And Bible says that um, when David was playing, you can actually go to the fourth slide. I think uh, it refers to that. After. Um, yes, let me first start there. It says in Psalm 89, that's the scripture where God is uh, speaking about David. He said, I have found David, my servant, with my oil I have anointed him. So that my hands shall be established with him, my arms shall strengthen him, the enemy shall not outwit him, the wicked shall not humble him. Can we go to the next one? I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. He shall cry to me, You are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. You may come back to the previous slide. You'll see in this scripture that the, from verse 20, there is a commitment from God. And primarily you see that the first step is done by God. I can even pause there and say, we did not do God a favor by believing in him. He is the one who chose us. Jesus said to his disciples, you did not choose me, I chose you. And he said, I have found David, my servant, with my oil. I have anointed him, so that my hand shall be established with him, and my arm shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him, the wicked shall not humble him. You see through this scripture that there was the first step was made by God. I believe. The first step in order for us to really start worshiping authentically, it's when we actually realize the whole genesis about our lives. 500 years ago, we were not all here. But God knew we were going to be here one day. Maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe some of us, maybe some of you, maybe we're not saved. But there was a day where God, in his mercy, found you. He anointed you. But when you forget about that day, when you forget that it all began with him, that is actually falling from grace. Because you reject the grace of God that was revealed to you. So I believe one of the first steps in worship is thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving. You know, if you, the tabernacle, you know, was one of the places where the people of Israel used to go and they would go and worship. There was the outer called the holy place and the holy of holies. And, you'll, you know, at the, at the outer court there was a gate. And that gate was the entrance for people to come into the outer court. What, is, what I learned from that is that, you know, the tabernacle, Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle. Jesus is the ultimate tabernacle. And Jesus is the gate. He's the way. You know, I've heard somebody saying, actually the name of that gate was called the way. And the veil that was in the holy place was called the truth. And the veil of the holy of holies was called life. Somebody said, I don't know if it's true, I don't know if I haven't verified. But all I'm just saying, he said one of the reasons why the, the Jewish people were offended with Christ is, was when he said that he was the way, the truth, and life, because they knew what it meant. But all I'm saying is, 
we cannot worship unless Christ really takes us into the presence of God. Nobody just pitches up in the presence of God on his own. It is by spirit. Like David, David was a worshiper, but David was found by God. In fact, when they went to anoint him by the prophet, he was in the bush. But God located him. And you see God's commitment of protecting him, of doing things with him, of fulfilling a lot of things, establishing his name, establishing his, his hand, and also strengthening him. Now, on the next slide, God's promising to, to really fight for him and doing all of these things. But I believe verse 26 speaks of David's responsibility. It says, he shall cry to me, you are my father, you are my God, and the rock of my salvation. This phrase on its own, if you look at what Christ did in the New Testament, David had a revelation of God as his father. David had a revelation of God as his God and also the rock of his salvation. And I think it is very important. If David didn't have a reference of the previous thing that God had, it was going to be very difficult for him to understand, actually, that actually whenever he won battles, it was actually God strengthening him, fighting for him, giving him victories. So, I believe if we truly want to worship, it is very important that we learn the discipline of reminding ourselves of the goodness of God. Reminding ourselves of what God has done. That He is the one who has anointed us to be efficient in our career, to be efficient in our families, to be efficient in many, many things. That He is our Father. I've heard someone saying the word Father in the Hebrew language, one of the meanings is source. A sustainer, a source that produces something and sustains it. And I love that. Because when we, when we come from that place, it really changes the way we worship. That is why when David became king, when they, was bringing, they, were, they were bringing the ark, David was dancing. Now his wife was like, how oh, you dance this way? Because she didn't have a reference for it. So David's reference of being from the bush, singing at the court of the king, suddenly becoming king. And now this woman who just grew up in a house where her father was a king, the two had a different experience. And therefore, it affected the way they worshipped. But I believe we need to trust that the Holy Spirit gives us a picture of what it means to be in Christ and how does it affect the way we worship. So David experienced all of his victories over Goliath and all the armies because God was actually fighting for him. God is the one who anointed him to make sure he would remain victorious. So let's go to the next slide. And what I like about the way it's spoken in the book of Acts, it says, I like the last phrase, which says, okay, I can even read the whole thing. And when, speaking about, so when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I came to do the will 
of my father. While we read the story of David, there are things that David did wrong. But we have a perfect example of someone who really did all the will of God. Christ Jesus. Jesus is the perfect example on how it looks like being anointed and worshiping God and having a relationship with the Father. He said, I do what I see my Father doing. You see, there is a difference between a time of worship and a lifestyle that worships God. This is a worship time, a time to worship. But real worship lifestyle is when the service is over, when we are on the street, when we are on our workplaces, when we are in our homes. The culture we'll do, we'll build, the things we do, what we communicate to the world is actually our worship lifestyle. It either communicates what we believe in, either it's God or other things. So you will see that the church of Acts, what was very powerful about them, it wasn't just the fact because they had services. They had a lifestyle which was so authentic, even though they went through persecution. It was very difficult to end off Christianity, even though most of those apostles were killed and murdered because of the gospel. They were true worshipers. They tapped into a dimension where they knew the heart of God for them. They knew who God is, who God was for them, and they were ready to die for it. It's very interesting, one of the, one of the stories about Paul. At one point, he, 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 he was attacked. People came very violently on him. The Bible says right after that, he left and he went to preach again. It's very interesting because these people... They were not just, it wasn't a philosophy, it was a life. It, there was an encounter they had with Christ, which caused them to not be silent. I believe when the Spirit of God is upon you, when you have experienced God, you cannot be silent. You cannot be silent, but you will choose to worship. You will choose to worship. You will choose to worship. And I think... That's all the world needs. The Bible says that the, like the water covers the sea, the knowledge of his glory will fill the earth. And how will it be released, the knowledge of his glory? It is through worship. Because the, the, what is the highest activity in heaven? It's worship. It's not angels coming to fight for man. No, it is actually worship. And if Jesus said, let your will be done, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, if that which is in heaven is worship, then that which is on earth shall be worship. When Isaiah sees the heaven for the first time, what does he notice? He noticed the throne, Isaiah 6. And he would notice someone sitting on the throne. In Revelation, what is the first thing that he noticed? The throne. And he also noticed someone sitting on the throne. You will see that trend. Every time someone had an heavenly open vision, many times the first thing they noticed was a throne and the one sitting on the throne. What is worship about? Worship is about the throne of God. The one sitting on the throne. And the throne speaks of dominion and authority. So, when we live, when we have an understanding of worship, when the world looks at us, they will see that Christ is the king in their lives. They will see the one who is really sitting on the throne, who really decrees and declares in terms of what we do. And therefore, like Jesus, will desire to do the will of the Father. And one of the things in the prayer that Jesus told the disciples, he said, 
pray to the Father and say, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So let's go to the next slide. So now, this is then another dimension that we can add to, to our worship. Remember from the start I said, there was always a leading of God saying, go and, build and worship there. Go and offer sacrifice there. There was always a divine direction. There was always a divine direction. So I believe if we really want to have worship that would move beyond my time with Jesus in the service to our time, to that which God can do, we're going to have to shift the way we think of worship. Many times we come in the service, we want to be recharged. There's nothing wrong with that. But I believe there is even something more. There is even more than that, where we can actually come into the service, we can actually release our faith for the people that are out there. Where we can actually, our services should actually be an overflow, where as we worship, we can actually release our faith for the people that are walking on the street, for the people that are driving on the street. You know, we can actually release, we can actually send the songs. We can actually intercede for them. One of the things that I learned through the tabernacle is that you will notice when you, when you read in Exodus about the tabernacle, the outer court, it was a very noisy place. Animals were there, people were there, everybody was there. People were talking, and it was loud. Sometimes, in our personal worship, when, when for example, you've had a bad days or you go through a season where you're kind of down, many times your worship will look like that. You want to pray, and suddenly there is this thing in your head. Oh, you know, you want to pray, and now you've, that's sin, you have to repent. And then you pray, that person offended you. And suddenly, some people, sometimes people stop because they can't pray. And then you, you know, can you please pray for me? But then there is that wrestling. But now, when you are satisfied like that, you need to persevere in, in that moment. If you don't persevere, you're not going to break through. You will get stuck there. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians are stuck there. Where they're in a place where they are wrestling. Do I choose to focus on Christ? Do I choose to focus on Goliath? Do I choose to focus on Christ? Or there is now these armies. Like that prophet, now the armies came, his servant was panicking. But now the prophet has an open vision. He sees that those who are with them are actually a majority than the army is coming. Don't, what he does, he prayed, he prayed so that his servant will see the, actually the God's army. So what I'm saying is, when you are in a phase where Maybe there are things in your heart that are legitimate. Maybe people just offended you or things happened to you that cause you to not really engage with God. When you start worshiping, when you start seeking the first of the Lord, persevere. Sometimes it can take weeks. Some people it takes them two weeks. Some other people it takes them a month. But you have to persevere. What I do personally when I'm, when I'm worshiping, especially if I'm, let's say, scheduled to, to minister, I like to get to a place where, like, even if I'm walking on the street, I really sense, I'm in an atmosphere where I know God is ministering to me, like, very clearly. So sometimes it takes me seven hours where I would literally, sometimes I would be quiet and I would just wait on the Lord. I would wait for the quickening of the Spirit. Because there is a place where I have to, 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 to engage but I believe it's even more powerful when you respond to God's invitation. There are times where God is like, I want you in my presence. 
And those are the best moments. Because sometimes, how do you respond there? You, you have things in your mind. But sometimes it's like a wrestling. So in that moment, you say, oh, Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for, you know, if maybe there are people that offended you, thank you, God, for those that have been offended you. Thank you for my praise and my parents. Thank you for that brother. Thank you for that gift that I got there. Thank you for, for what you've done. And as you're wrestling, the Spirit of God will be with you, wrestling with you in that moment, helping you in the journey. And then, because it's a noisy place. And sometimes, when we are all in that phase, when we come into the service, then the service is dead. It's literally dead. Because there is not an overflow. Everybody is battling. So if we want to have an authentic worship, we have to deal with those things, especially home. If we want to worship with authority, if we want to learn to give an assignment to our worship, so we have to come to that place where we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I remember one time I had a friend of mine who did something that I didn't like. And I remember it was during the time when there was the, what a beautiful name, that song. I remember I felt the Lord said, go to the office maybe an hour, two hours before the normal time. I came like seven and I sat and I didn't feel the release of saying anything. I just needed to be quiet before the Lord. So I was listening. As I was listening, as I was listening, the Lord, it's almost like I allowed God to minister to me. You know, sometimes as you want to worship on a personal level, it's important sometimes to just learn to, to receive ministry from God to be quiet. The Bible says, wait. Those who wait on the Lord, they know the strength. One of the ways I believe in that scripture is that sometimes when you're about to pray, wait. Sometimes. Sometimes just wait on the Lord. You know, don't be rushing. Allow him to speak too. That's why I love intercession. We don't just pray. We ask the Lord what is on, else on his heart. Sometimes there's a place where you need to wait. Allow him. It's like you, you're going to the hospital. You, you're in a waiting room waiting for a doctor. You know, sometimes just wait, you know, and allow him. While the Lord is waiting for you, there's a place as well where you have to allow God to minister to you. Sometimes we rush too much and want God to heal us now. But sometimes there is just that silence moment, which I believe is powerful, very powerful. Because if I don't have that atmosphere of the Spirit of God, I'm not ready to preach then I know I'm in danger. I know I am in danger. I don't need counseling in that moment. I need that atmosphere. So I believe it's an, it, that's to, have, to, flow, to flow in the atmosphere of, of, of worship, you have to cultivate it. It doesn't just happen one day. It's a culture that you build. The things you talk about, the thing, the thing about, the thing that you hear, they create, they create an atmosphere. So if you really want to have a worship that will have an impact. So I was referring to the, the outer court way, noisy. And then as you persevere in the spirit, like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for, thank you for, you actually see in the outer court, there was a place where they would offer sacrifices for the sin. Everybody would go. That's a place where you confess as well the sin. Lord, I lied and all of that. You know, that, it's in that place where, you know, we, we bring all of these things to the light, Lord, and we deal with the sin, we bring everything out there. And then if you persevere, suddenly you will, the Spirit of God will almost like take you shoop, to the holy place. When you get to a place where you start now seeking the Lord, you want to know Him. Not for what He can do, not for, 
for, for a, a material thing that you want to get, but you just want to know Christ. You just want to know Christ. One of the things in the, in, in the holy place, there was a lever. It, it was almost made from a, one of the things that the woman would use for the mirror. And in James, the mirror is referred as the word of God. So that's a place where you need to, to get the word. You need to go to the word. Like, I was offended, by, but your word says this, that I need to forgive. And I've, you know, the, you know I, was, I went through that, but your word says this, but your promises are this. You, go, you start declaring the word. You need to build. That's a place where you learn to build the reservoir of the word of God. And I believe that becomes the mirror from which when you look at yourself, you're like, wow, why should I entertain this? Let me stop this. Why should I do this? No, let me, let me stop this. Because the word of God is, is, is there. It's constant. And there was also the, 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 the art of incense, where, you know, which is a picture of worship. It's that constant devotion to God. If we don't do that, we're going to run dry. One of the things that kills, that, allow, that kills churches from growing is when there is no that life with God, that communion with God. Notice in the book of Acts, one of the themes in the book of Acts, it's prayer. It is prayer. Everything was a corporate prayer. They, they, everything in the ministry of Christ, every great achievement of Jesus was preceded by prayer. Every great achievement of Jesus. The miracles, even Jesus, Jesus even died praying. I believe, and I, and I read a lot of revival stories, prayer, prayer. Azusa Street Revival, prayer. All the revival stories, one of the things they have in, they in common, prayer. It is that devotion, that devotion, that devotion. It's an exercise that you constantly have to do because that is what your en- the enemy is after. The enemy is not after your job, it's not after your career. It's after that communion that you need to have with God. That is why the greatest fight that we have is the fight of our faith. That's the fight that we have. That's the great, because if we lose our faith, <laughs> Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. So I want to encourage you. That's a place where you bring the word and you, you allow God to minister. You read the word. You are being encouraged. You have worship. And then at some point, as you worship, you worship, you persevere, you persevere, suddenly the Spirit of God will take you to the holy place. It is glorious right there. That's the place where the Spirit of God literally prays through you. You you can learn how to sense God's heart. That's the place where you even forget about your problem. You suddenly find yourself... I remember a story that I heard of a missionary... They were about to have a meal. And then they asked him, would you please pray for the food? And then he started praying, Lord, thank you for this food. And we pray for the souls. Lord, the souls! The lost! The lost! Lord, the lost! The lost! The guy started crying. He went to his room. The lost! And it went, he went for hours and hours and hours. I'm not saying we should always do that. But, but I believe... But, what I believe, in that moment, the Spirit of God took him. <laughs> in that moment, the Spirit of God. Perhaps there was someone that was about to get lost, and the Lord just needed an intercessor, someone that will respond. In that moment, he went and he wept for an entire night. 
just for the souls. Those kind of prayers, I don't know when last we've had them. Because what God feels is not what we feel. And if we have to, if we were, we were anointed for that, not primarily for ministry, but for that. Psalm 23 speaks about, you know, David says, he, 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 you set a table in front of my enemies and my cup overflowing, you anoint my head. One of the things that was happening is the act of hospitality, when a guest would come, you know, the, the, the host will anoint the heads as a way of honoring his guest. So in that picture, David paints God as the shepherd who hosted him and anointed him with his oil. I believe the anointing that rests upon us is actually the primary reason is actually dwelling in his presence. It's God celebrating and hosting us in his presence. When we get into that holy place, that is when you, you pitch up in the service and suddenly you can sense God's heart for people. You can sense what God has on his heart for people. And automatically, you learn to respond with the right melody, with the right song. It doesn't have to be just the ministry time. It has to be our lifestyle. Many times, I remember one guy last year, the guy who committed suicide. Three days before he committed suicide, I just, in my, in my head, the, his, his, my mind, he was just getting there. I was like, I need to contact this guy. So I contacted him. I said to him, I'm preaching on Sunday. Please come to church on Sunday. Spoke with him. It was the week when Armand and Jamie got married. I chatted with him. I said, I'm going to be at a wedding. But that evening, I'm coming back. I'm going to be preaching. And I would like you to please be there. He was already a member in the church. If he only listened, he would have not gone through what he did. It was the same Sunday when he went to kill himself after his girlfriend visited him. But perhaps that was a warning. So, I believe there is a, we, we have to, when we, when we worship, we be, God will minister to us even about one another. To even warn one another from things. Um, or to protect one another. Because God's priorities becomes then your priority. But it is something that is not instant. It's not a, it's not a place where you can feel like, oh, oof, I've arrived. It is constant. Because sometimes you can be there and then the next day something happens, you get back to the outer court again. And then you start like, oh, 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 oh. So I really want to encourage us to really have perseverance as we fellowship of God. It is a culture that we have to build. It's a culture that we have to build. And I believe it is very powerful. I remember one time I would start worshipping when I was a student. I had a lot of time when I was a student. So... I will start worshiping and suddenly the Spirit of God will take me to a place where um, no words is coming. So I would spend six hours just quiet before the Lord. Sometimes I would even sense that the Spirit doesn't want music. The Lord just wants me in His presence. And I would, I would know that there, are some, there is something that I'm doing that I can't articulate. And I believe that's powerful. There is so much healing that happens. When we do that, so much healing, so much healing. You know, I can share with you so many testimonies of where, you know, I would maybe schedule, be scheduled to lead, lead worship, and I would be in the service, and suddenly the Spirit of God would lead me to a song. And after the service, someone comes and says, Matthew, I've 
no idea what I was going through. That song was what God wanted me to hear. You know, I've heard those testimonies even in Bible school sessions when I would ask to lead worship 10 minutes quickly before Bible school start. Even in those moments, what I learned is every time I'm asked to lead worship, I need to take it very seriously because it is people of God and God has his plan. I need to sense God's heart for the people because God doesn't come to entertain us and then bye. Now, God always does something. We have to trust that our services should be moment as we worship when we go home. We know that. I remember when I was younger, um, when I was, I was still young, when I was a kid, in our church, our facilitator, Sunday school facilitator, he, he would lay hands on every kid and every kid was slain in the spirit. I'm talking about falling asleep, <laughs> including myself. And there was, a, there was a room where all of us would be sleeping there. And it was like normal. It's only now when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that was hectic. <laughs> that was hectic. Like, and then I remember the, the, the venue where the parents would be praying the service. When they pray, when they worship, it was like boiling water. It was like there was like a noise. There was like a sound coming from the service. Before even the sermon, you will feel like, the service was like, you know, if you missed one Sunday, you, you felt like you've missed something. But we've reached a place where one can be not at church for three weeks and feel nothing about it. And we mustn't be comfortable with that. We mustn't be comfortable with that. There is even a better life. There's nothing wrong with that. What I'm just saying, there is even a better worship culture that we can build in our morning services. We can build. I remember we were praying in my family one day, my dad and my siblings. I, wasn't, I didn't go to any prophetic training. We were just sitting, we were praying. And my brother, we used to rotate the road of praying. My brother was giving his last prayer request. As he was giving, suddenly I heard exactly the sound of his voice. I saw a vision and it said some, it communicated something else to the it was a specific message that God had for my family, which I shared in that moment with my dad. There was an atmosphere. There was a rule. Nobody went to bed before we prayed together. Whether you were a cousin, you came. Seven o'clock. Everybody in the lounge. Prayer. But what I remember is there was always an atmosphere. There was always that atmosphere. If I don't have that atmosphere, I'm in danger. But one cultivated. He cultivated. So, David, as he was ministering, if you read from verse 23, the Bible says, then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave. It's almost like he was delivered or healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Sometimes, as we come into the service, there might be a need of an emotional healing. But now, if we are sensitive to God, we can actually release songs that ministers to that realm of their lives. In other words, the worship leaders shouldn't just choose songs because, well, I'm scheduled on Sunday. Okay, which song do we sing? Let's take this, this is Amazing Grace. Let's take that. No. 
The worship leader should sense God's heart. <laughs> should sense God's heart. Lord, what are you doing on Sunday that we need to be in agreement with? Maybe we need to pause on one song. Just one. Maybe it be a song. Maybe it was three. Maybe on that set, let's pause a bit and repeat that chorus. And repeat that chorus. And repeat that chorus. So that what we do is in agreement with heaven. We're not fooling a set list. We're not trying to run after time. Maybe, okay, because it was 40 minutes, we need to do 40 minutes. No. It has to be spirit-led. In the Old Testament, God will tell them where to go and offer sacrifice. So, in other words, that's what the Bible says. When we, you come with one another, does somebody have a psalm as a word of encouragement or a hymn? So, there must be spaces where, that's what we do sometimes, we share words, where we allow the Spirit of God to minister. Because sometimes the Lord might say, this Sunday, my people are actually struggling spiritually. There is maybe a demonic assignment against my people. Then the worshipers should actually see, okay, well, and the intercessors coming together, the watchmen and the messengers. Okay, let's see, let's see how we can release songs to break the curse that have been spoken over people. And when we do that, we've learned, we've given to our worship an assignment. The problem is that our worship is still my time with Jesus. If I don't want to stand, I'm not going to stand. If I don't want to lift my hands, I'm not going to lift my hands. If I don't want to bow, I won't bow. It's all about how I feel. No, that's not the way, that's not right. It's about how he feels. It's about how he feels. Otherwise, we're going to have a worship according to the will of man. According to the will of man. And that brings carnality. The Bible says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. But whatever is born of the Spirit of God, whatever is born of God actually overcomes the world. We need to have worship that is born of God. That's, you can apply that in your own house. You can apply that in any spheres of life, not just at church. Anywhere where you know you just, there is just this song that you need to, every day, you actually need to ask the Father, Father, what is the song that you have in mind that you want me to sing? The Lord will give you a song. <laughs> he will tell you, maybe today, you just need to sing, we sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah. And just that is enough. We don't always have to run after new CDs. The Lord can take you even back to a very old hymn and just take you there. As you repeat, because you engage, you are in the spirit. It is when we are in the spirit that we can hear from God and actually go where we need to go. John, he said, I was in the spirit and the voice of the Lord came to me. As a church, we have to be in the spirit. We have to be led by the spirit of God. The Bible says, those who are led by the spirit of God, they are sons of God. I was sharing a, a random a testimony last Sunday at church. I was sitting just in the office. One of the things that I'm, I'm really trusting, grow in, is hearing from God. So sometimes I even get funny things like I would be thinking of someone randomly and that person is calling. When I look at my phone, that person is calling. Or, or I'll be thinking of randomly of someone, suddenly the person pitches up. 
Or, but now I've learned, like, oh, maybe sometimes the Lord wants me to pray for the person. And the other day, I was sitting in my office, and the Holy Spirit said to me, go on the website of Christian Voice. It's a big radio in Zambia. So I went on the website. And then, on the website, they click on presenters. I went on the presenters. And then the Spirit of God said, pick that one. So I picked one person. Go on Facebook, tap the name of the person. I tap the name of the person. Send the friend request. I sent. The person accepted. And then, just share about your music. Submit your music to the radio. So I said, okay, well, I've got a music. I would like to submit your radio. What is the right channel? What, how do I do it? That per- it happened that that person was the only person from that radio in Cape Town. That was two days before she finished her training. It was a lady. And because she came to study something about NGO for helping the young girls that are in abuse and stuff like that. So she came to study that at YWAM. So she was at YWAM, and the place that I could trust because I know the people there. And I went, I met the person, gave my CD. Now the music is playing on the radio. Now it's on the national TV. But all because I heard. That's, that wasn't like in worship, like praying, like, like we do in worship, praise and worship time. No. The Holy Spirit, we have to experience him 24-7. 24-7. And that's the lifestyle of worship. We were not just anointed to, to start like first praise song and then worship song and then we will get the atmosphere. No, we have to be in that atmosphere all the time. You know, so that helps even the people that we lead because when they are in a bad place, we can pick it up or we can even warn them about it. And that helps us to be an efficient community of people that are worshiping God. So David, for example, even though he was just playing his harp, God was doing things. You will see in the Chronicles as well, the Israelites, once they were playing, they were worshipping, there was an army fighting against them. As they were worshipping, the Bible says, God sent an ambush in the camp of the enemy. They started killing themselves. So there are certain things in our lives where you don't need to, we just, just need, there is a lot of facets when it comes to coming to the presence of God. There are times where God just wants you to sing. There are times where God wants you to speak. The times where God wants you silent, the times where God wants you to write, there are different things. That God, God is, is very diverse in the way He does things. So sometimes the Lord just wants you to release a song. They only worshiped God, and God fought for them. You see, there could be an assignment against the city of Cape Town. We can release the rain, uh, we can release worship that is speaking to the heavenly realm. And actually shift things in the spirit. And I believe we can do that as we are led by the spirit of God. So I believe we need to shift from my time with Jesus <laughs> to God's time. That is when we get to a place where we don't have to tell anybody, can we please stand? Can we please bow? Can we please lift the hands? Can we please do this? Now we will get here and everybody's like sold out to the presence of God. And once we have that, I tell you, these chairs won't be empty. It won't be empty. It won't be empty. The problem is God can't send people that we are not ready for them. We have to be ready for them. What are we going to do with them? If we don't have a proper worship ready to minister into their lives, to impact their lives. One day I was reading about Paul and Silas. 
I'm like, these guys, they were not musicians. How come they would sing and a li- literally a cell, a prison would break the gates, like literally a breakthrough in the natural while they were worshipping. And I was like, this is crazy. God delivered them as Paul and Silas were singing in the book of Acts. And I realized how much more God can do in our hearts if we would choose to be led by the Spirit of God. As, as I was asking myself, it was probably seven, ten years ago, and I was, the Holy Spirit said, yeah. what, the reason why there is nothing sometimes when you worship is because there are things that those people had that you don't have. Oh, <laughs> I need that. Lord, I need it. I need to grow. I need to grow in really knowing you to have the commitment and the revelation they had about Christ. I believe it's very important. And it's something that we need to be hungry and thirsty. You know, one of the signs of being a worshiper is the hunger, the hunger, the thirst for God. When you notice you don't want to read the Bible anymore, you don't want to pray anymore, there is something leaking there. And do yourself a favor. Maybe stop all the duties. Get back to the Father. Say, Lord, I don't want to worship. I don't want to pray. I don't want to read the Bible. Everything doesn't just resonate with me. Revive my heart again. It's the outer court place. Fight. Continue. Sometimes get some other people that are more on fire in that moment. Pray with them. They can help you to get back to that place. Because it is much safer to be in that place. So this morning... I really wanted, I'm not going to go into depth, some of the other things that I, I wanted to share could be perhaps very applicable for people that are into um, songwriting and other things. But I want to ask you a question. You know, if you, let me, maybe you read that scripture uh, that is on the next slide. Yeah, it says, May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will richly bless us. There is three, when you read that particular scripture, it's almost like the impact, if you read in the previous verses, from verse 4 or 5, it says, may the nations be glad and sing for joy. So, let me maybe read that. From verse, um, yeah, from verse uh, three, it says, "May the people praise you, O God. May all the people praise you. May the nations be glad." Verse four, and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. And then.
from verse 6, it says the land, then it goes there. So, what I'm saying is, the song sang by the people, Um, the song that is sang there, let's say if it's a new song of the Lord, from verse 6, if you, you can just put that quick verse, what we see is that you see there is the earth, there is God, and then there is, there is us. You will see, for example, in Chronicles, it says that if the people are called by my name, repent, turn from their wicked ways. One of the things that you see, the scripture says, that the, he will heal their land. You'll see even in Genesis, when Adam fell in sin, there was even a natural reaction from that disobedience. You will see there is always a strong connection between the land and the people, and the sound of the people, and the worship of the people. So, what I'm saying is that song, it's almost like that song has the potential of impacting the natural realm. In fact, Elijah was prophesying even over the natural realm of his nation, causing a drought or causing the rain. So, now, that's the one dimension. And then there is also the realm of God. There are times where the heaven is looking for... The Bible says, God doesn't do anything without revealing to his servants, the prophets. In other words, when God wants to do something new, he's going to he's gonna look for a man that is ready to sing or speak to act that new thing. A man that is willing and ready. So, so what I'm saying is, uh, even in worship... Sometimes there is something that God wants to, there is something that the heaven wants to do or wants to hear from our service on Sunday. That is why I said it's very important for us, the worship leaders, to actually get in agreement with what heaven is doing so that we sing on earth as it is in heaven for this day. And then the last one is the realm of man, the realm of the people. So, Sometimes there are things that God wants to do amongst us. So, therefore, we can direct our song. We can write songs. We can do songs that can actually minister in the actual context of the people. A song can have an impact in raiding California at Bethel Church, but it doesn't necessarily carry the same authority in this context of Cape Town. Now, if we want to, we just have this admiration of the American sound, and we try to reproduce it here, guess what? We're not going to be authentic. Because the demon, the regional demon in Reading, is not the regional demon in Cape Town. The regional demon in Cape Town will only respond to the regional song of Cape Town. So, we have to trust God that we have a revelation. Even your own family, it is scope that God has given you. It is a realm. It is a kingdom. Now, you, you just imagine how many generations will come after 500 years after you're not there. But you can, there are things you can stop in the spirit from now that will never happen to your generations. There are things you can declare that will always be there. Abraham 
made a covenant with God and his entire generation until today, they are still blessed because they made a covenant with God. Worship is a covenant thing. So I'm sharing this to, to have, to, to just to challenge you in terms of how you view worship. When we engage in worship, don't just, don't just worry about yourself. I know it's important, but break a little bit that box. So when you lift your hand, don't just lift your hand for yourself. Do it as an act of faith. Maybe the song could be a song that's not relevant to you. Maybe you're not necessarily struggling with sin. Maybe the song is referring to sin. You can send it to the people that are struggling with sin. It could be a song of healing. You're not sick. You can release that song over the person that's sick, that's, that is sick. And suddenly, it becomes we are building one another. So let's stand and we're just going to pray. Hallelujah. I would like you to ask the Holy Spirit to revolutionize your worship. To say, Holy Spirit, I need a revolution in my worship. I've become too much comfortable. I've been waiting for the worship leader. Actually, while I'm actually a worship leader, we are all worship leaders. If I want to, can play just a guitar, if you don't mind. We will just do, just in this last five minutes, to just to engage. You can even pray in the spirit. Maybe you feel you are in the outer court where there is too much noise. You can even start now, like, just pray in the spirit. Maybe your mind could be the problem. Then engage with the spirit by praying in the spirit. Then I want to just be doing a free worship, like a free worship. Then if you feel like, bowing, then you, you're welcome to do it. Do whatever you feel will be right. And allow God to revolutionize the way you worship. To revive your heart. Let's just trust God for a flow of the Spirit. One of the pictures of the Holy Spirit is a picture of a river flowing out of the temple in Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel as he saw the river, and he had this experience where he would saw on his feet, and it was on his feet, live on his toe, on his feet, on his waist, and at some point he was, he was swimming in the river. Let's just trust God that he will take us deeper. Hallelujah.